If you're joining us online, we want to welcome you. We're in the middle of our series, Real Life. Last year, we spent a whole fall on our vision, real life vision. And as a church, if you ask, what is our vision? The vision of our church is real life. We believe in the redeemed life. That is, we believe in the power of the gospel to change lives, yes? We believe that people can encounter Christ through the gospel and where they did not know God, they can now know God. We believe in the great exchange of our sinfulness for his righteousness. We believe that there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. The empowered life. We believe that God gives us the power of the Holy Spirit to impact this world and to make a difference. Not only does he give us the power of the Holy Spirit, but he gives us gifts and abilities to carry that out in the world that we live in. The active life. We believe in the power of the priesthood of all believers. That means we believe that every one of us is called to minister before the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe that you and I, we have an opportunity to serve and to minister, to volunteer, to be active, that we are here on this planet at this time for the mission that God has called us to be. The L, listening life. We believe that prayer changes things. And that we have to be a listening people to be a following people. That when we listen, we hear God's prompt and God's whisper that guides us through scripture. Through little moments of signs that make us wonder. This is our real life vision. And today we're recapping. Last week I spoke about the redeemed life. Talked about Dunkirk and the moment of rescue and the strange use of vessels that had never been used before in that way. And we put our trust in the strangest of messages that comes by a revelation. And that revelation is we put our trust in a creaking old cross where the saviour of the world died for us and gave his life for us. And where it seems impossible to escape, that way of escape through the cross utterly and completely changes everything. So we're going to think about the empowered life. And this is one sermon of four that is to do with our vision as we kick off this period. And next week I'll be talking about the active life. But I want to talk to you about the empowered life and what I want to offer to you this morning, the thought is this, that God has given you and I gifts and abilities that he wants to use for the glory of his kingdom. That God has given us that ability to be able to do certain things in his body and engage. Now, 1 Peter 4 and verse 10 makes this statement. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. What he actually says here that each of us should use God's gifts that we've received. In other words, he doesn't say some of you received gifts and others haven't. Some of you have been forgotten in the gift giving process, not at all. The truth of scripture is this, that every one of you here who is in Christ has been given a God-given gift to make a difference in the world. Now why does this gift exist? And we'll be talking about those gifts. 
But why are they there? Well, first of all, the gifts are there to benefit the body of Christ, yes, and benefit others. In other words, God has put gifts within you for the benefit of those that are around, for the benefit of the kingdom of God, for the benefit of all that Christ can do for you. And you have that gift and that ability. And why are those gifts here? They are simply here to serve others. We don't deserve them. They're what you call grace gifts. They were given to us out of his lavish love and poetry of how God created us and brought us together. And these gifts exist so that lives can be changed, people can be benefited, and we as his servants in the world can really serve others by using the gift of God that God has placed within our lives. You see, when... Psalm 139 says, you were knitted together in your mother's womb. At that point, when the DNA and all of that was taking place, God placed within you, yes, a gift, abilities and gifts. And these act as to shape you and mold you as an individual. These act so that you can engage in the God-given call that God has given you. And none of you are left out. There are gifts of God within you that God wants to use. They motivate us. They're the engine that drive us. They're the gifts that make us come alive and feel amazing in our journey. So what gifts am I talking about? Well, I'm not talking about gifts in Ephesians. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, those office gifts. I'm not talking about gifts that are found in 1 Corinthians 12. The gifts of the Spirit. I'm talking about gifts that are found in Romans 12. Let's read for a few moments. Romans 12 verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encourage then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. We see the gifts laid out here. You can break these gifts into two sections, speaking gifts and serving gifts. You have prophecy, which another word for prophecy would be perception. Perception. 
or the ability to communicate the black and white of the truth of God. These are individuals that have the ability to speak, yes, but they have the ability to proclaim, yes, but they have an ability to see and perceive what God is doing and the way that God is moving. You have the teacher in these gifts. And the teacher is somebody that loves information, that loves research, and loves pulling things together. You have the encourager, like the coach that gets alongside people and jogs and encourages them and says, yes, you can make a difference. Yes, you can, you can do it. I kind of see the encourager as that coach in a tracksuit running alongside that person saying, you can make it, you can do it, keep going, don't you? I love the encouragers. When I did the Vancouver Marathon, um, right at the very end, there was about 100 yards, and my son was standing there watching people coming through. And there were many of them did a brilliant marathon run from our church. And, and, and he was shouting, come on, keep going, you can make it. What an encourager. I mean, they only had 100 yards to go, so they were going to make it. But he, he was like, come on, you can do it. You go on, don't give up. Well, they're not going to because it's just there. Uh, But he's an encourager. You know, I can see it already in his life encouraging others. I can see those that are given to leadership and administration. Those ones who have the ability that love lists, love projects, love completion, love working with others. I can see the gift of the giver. Probably those who can give significantly. Uh, 6%, they say, of the congregation has the ability to be generous in giving above and beyond. They have big arms. They're willing to resource the kingdom of God. And many great ministries, camps, and evangelistic events are funded by these unique individuals that God has given them capacity to be able to be generous in giving and have that heart. They're the servers. These are the can-do people. You know, don't talk about it. Uh, Let's just build it, shall we? These are the guys that build the living nativity set. These are the guys that build houses. Basically, the whole of Canada has the gift of of the doer. We want to build a house? Let's build a house. Let me put my tool belt on. And off I go. You know, it's amazing. The doers, the servers who are willing. And then, of course, there are those who are compassionate. Those with the heart of mercy, those that love and those that care. Now what I'm suggesting, what scripture teaches is that every one of us has a gift of God placed within us from the moment we were conceived. God has these gifts to release in our lives and we have to be willing to engage in the gift that God has given us because these gifts of God's grace are for your benefit. They can make a difference. They can change the world if you're willing to use these gifts appropriately in your life. But there is a warning, warning of course. It's verse 3 that says, sober judgment. Look at yourself, it says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. And this is one of the problems when you really track with your gift. 
is that you can become arrogant, you use, lose humility, and you think only in and through your gift, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Why does it encourage us to think in sober judgment? Because the writer knows that a spiritual gift that is charged by the power of the Holy Spirit can do awesome and amazing things. It can change lives. It can affect people's lives. It can influence people. Your spiritual gift that each one of you has can have a great impact. But where that becomes abused, it can create pollution and havoc. You see, a spiritual gift that is flowing in your life can bring you great happiness. It can bring amazing fulfillment. It can, that sense of pleasure as you engage in that gift. Maybe you're that person who serves and you get nothing better pleasure than doing with other people. You see somebody in crisis, their home is struggling and you go around and you help them out with chores and you're able to clean and support them and maybe cook a meal and you get nothing but pleasure from that. That's amazing. It gives you great happiness. It gives you great pleasure. But the other side of that is that gifts can be abused. And we have to look at ourselves soberly and humbly and say, Lord, use me in the gifts that you have given me by your grace so that I may serve others. Now, we can see this in children, can't we? I've already mentioned that. Proverbs says, train a child in the way that they should go. And I think that relates to this, that as parents, we look at our children and we ask a very, very critical question. What spiritual gift is growing in their lives? What can I spot? What can I see? And how can I encourage that gift in their development? And guide them. It helps with their career. It helps them with their direction. It helps them with their calling. It communicates to that child. We see that in your life. I know we've had these conversations with our own children. And I've got a mixture of gifts. I've got one that is full of mercy, non-judgmental, full of love, just loves everybody and just gets on with everybody All the time, a little too much, I think, sometimes. And just goes for it. And it's one that I've got another who's a planner and an organizer and a leader. And she loves to get on and plan things and do things and 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 be with people and and engage in that. She loves nothing more than working towards a project. So you'll find out down at the ark, cooking and being involved. I've got another that is is full of energy and 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 chatting and talking all the time and I can see that I don't know where she gets it from telling jokes and stories and being involved I'm thinking wow where did you get I'm, uh, your dad is so quiet and sober and where did that come from I've got and I've talked about my littlest boy come on let's do it I can see the gifts emerging parents Pray about your children, ask and discern where you can develop the gift of God in their lives and remind them again and again that God has given your children gifts and let's maximize them for the glory of Jesus. 
It's never too late to keep telling them this. It's never too late to speak goodness and growth into their lives. We can do that. It's never too late. And so as we think about this, we have to realize that with our own gifts, often our own gifts, they, um, they color the way that we view things, don't they? You know, if somebody is very perceptive, that kind of prophetic edge, you know, they be, can become one-issue people. And when you talk to them, they're like black and white, black and white. And that's the way it should be. should get on and do this and do that. And then you have somebody who's perhaps a giver and they look at it through, well, why isn't everybody being utterly generous? Why aren't people being generous? The perspective is often through our gifts. And then we become critical towards other gifts. But in the kingdom of God, Paul uses the analogy of body. In other words, Team, in other words, the Lord has called us to work together as a team so that we can engage together and use the many gifts to achieve what God has called us to achieve, right? So we mustn't despise other people's gifts. We must grow in our own gifting according to our faith, it says. In other words, your faith determines the growth and development of how far you want to take your gift in life. So how much faith have you got? How much faith are you willing to use? Have you become stagnant in your faith? Therefore, you become stagnant in Christian service and ministry. Maybe you got the gift of teaching, but leading a small group is so much pain and difficulty because often Pastor Steve sends you people you don't quite like, but you like to teach. And maybe you look at things and you become a bit jaded. Let me tell you something. It's a beautiful thing when people are using their gifts in the body of Christ. And our heart is that every one of us engages in some way in the call that God has given us in this journey. But there's, there's no gift that is higher than the other in this, by the way. You know... The particular danger of the gift of encouragement, these are the people that go, yes, you can do it, is that they, they talk too much. And they get alongside in this, you know, the service saying, why can't he just shut up and just do the job? But this person's talking and talking, has the gift of encouragement. There is equality with gifts. The gifts the Lord has placed within you are not to do with gender or position. There is equality. There's an egalitarianness about them. That your gift is not better or lower than another gift. Your gift is what God has given you as a blessing to others to benefit and to serve. No, you don't deserve it, but God wants you, according to your faith, to maximize your gift in the body of Christ. To maximize your gift in your workplace. To maximize your gift in the family. To maximize those gifts as you minister and make a difference. According to your faith. He wants us to work together as a whole. He wants us to work together in the whole of his body. He doesn't want superhero Christians who think they can do everything. Have you met those Christians? 
Ta-da! I watched a great film. I loved it with my 10-year-old. You still get to watch this called Captain Underpants. And fabulous story. Now, for those of you, this is a, a group of books. Yes, I apologize. I've mentioned the term underpants. Uh, but he's a mean old uh, principal teacher who is making all creativity go away in the school. And through a series of events, he believes he's a superhero and he's not. And then he runs around in his underpants. You can tell it's written for 10-year-old boys. And runs around with a cape and gets in all kinds of problems. And it's, it, was, it was hilarious. I actually laughed far more than my 10-year-old. <laughs> But God doesn't want superheroes running around saying, I can do this, I can do everything, ta-da, I'm the one that can make the difference. Sober judgment and humility, God has given you gifts according to your faith. Why are you not maximizing what God has given you? It's time to step in for God to work in your life. Now, you discover your gift. Does that mean... That you now know your gift. What is your gift? Well, my gift is the gift of the teacher. Yes, I'm very intelligent. I'm a researcher. I, am a, I have that gift. And then you come into church and, um, and next to you, somebody's obviously distressed, maybe crying. And you reach across to them, you tap them on the shoulder, you say, um, oh, I can see you're in, in trouble. Yes, I'm so sorry. I can't actually help you because I have the gift of teaching. Uh, maybe I could, uh, yes, maybe I could um, understand your problem. I'll go away and research it, come back with 15 facts, and we can make a difference, and maybe we could meet in two months' time. No! You may be a teacher, but you're still called to be a giver. You may be a teacher, you're still called to show mercy. You may be a teacher, you are still called to serve others. I may have a particular gift, but I'm still called to be a Christian. And all of those gifts and abilities are there, but I know that I'm in my sweet spot when I'm operating in a certain area, in a certain way. You say, but why don't all Christians operate like this? Why don't they seek to identify their God-given call and engage in the body of Christ? Five reasons. One, fear. Fear stops many of us from doing what God is calling us to do. Two, anger. I've met a lot of really good Christians who are angry at the body of Christ and the church and their anger towards them or some situation or something that has happened is stopping them from functioning within their gift. Anger is so toxic, it will destroy your ability to minister in the body of Christ because we can never minister out of any anger. Three, a low self-esteem. Low self-image. That you look at yourself in a way that God did not design you to look at yourself. You don't look at yourself as a child of the king. You don't look at yourself as a daughter of the Lord who has been given his unconditional love. You don't look at yourself in that way. You look at yourself in the negative programming of the lies of this world. And don't you think that's why verse 1 is there? That your mind may be transformed, verse 2, by the renewing of the mind. Because when you're going to go forward, it is renewing of the mind that makes the difference. 
And I think four is the whole idea that you just can't be bothered. You've given up. You know, I'd rather do this and this than engage in my spiritual gift. I'm just complacent. I'm uninterested. And I'm irresponsible with the gift that God has given me. And I can see this playing out in many lives where people are irresponsible about the spiritual gift that God has given them. And finally, sin. If we're in sin, it is impossible for us to function in the fullness of our faith, in our spiritual gift. We can probably fake it to make it, but sin stops us. And that's why we run Set Free in October, to work through the areas of healing that needs, the areas of confession, the areas of dealing with issues, so you can be free, so you can fulfill what God has called you to fulfill. So why aren't you doing it? Why aren't you willing to step into that relationship and engage? I don't know. Could be one of those five reasons. You see, you see the prophet at work in Scripture with John the Baptist. He was that person who saw things black and white. The danger with those people is they can run over people, hurt people. It must always be done in New Testament love and New Testament grace. And the New Testament teaches that we restore people. We don't run people over. But there's a danger with that gift with the perceiver, prophetic, black and white person. And John the Baptist captures the heart of one that knows the way and makes the way. We see a character, for example, with the teacher in the life of Apollos or Timothy that laid foundations and taught truth, particularly Apollos, an interesting, beautiful character, not spoken about massively in Scripture, but you get the sense that he was eloquent, he was bright, he was well-informed, he was able to lay it out, even in a way that Paul couldn't. Amazing individual. And those, the danger with the teacher is they become dogmatic, my way or the highway, or they can bore us to death. There's a danger. There's also a danger with the encourager, a Barnabas. He's an encourager. In fact, he's called the son of encouragement, isn't he? You know, there's a fight between Paul and John Mark and and Paul saying, get away, John Mark, your mother. You want to visit your mother, your big baby? You know, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? And Barnabas is there, come on, Mark, it's okay. You can travel with me. We'll let Paul go off. And they have a big argument in Scripture. And and Barnabas is there, no, you can do it. And, and, And Paul's going, you can tell what gifts are working here, can't you? Whereas years later, Paul would write about John Mark in the most beautiful way. And I'm a bit more like Barnabas, I think. I'm like, yes, come on. You want to go and see your mom? Let me give you money for the bus. Come on. You can catch the bus home and then come and join my evangelistic team later. I love you. Don't worry about that, Paul. He's always writing books. And he'll do it. You can see and understand how this, this works. You see this in his life. The, the, the builder, like, like the one who's the administrator and the leader, is a Joseph in Scripture. One that is able to work with others in systems and bring about the purposes of God. 
And the danger with the Joseph is that they become too controlling in that. We have the giver, Abraham, the great giver that just loves generosity. He sees it all as God's. He doesn't have that issue of, 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 of not giving. He gives out of generosity. We see the servant, Martha, willing to care, create food, be willing to work and minister, and yet can miss out the most important thing, being at the feet of Jesus. And we see the act of mercy and compassion and love. The danger of this is that these people get offended, secondhand offense, if other Christians don't respond in love and mercy to those people. So you see the gifts all at work and it's played out in Scripture with the great parable of the Good Samaritan that sees that. So you see that, but I want to focus your mind on Jesus as I finish. Because it is Jesus in our life that makes our gifting and our abilities grow and develop. I love Jesus. I love everything about Jesus. I love his character. I love reading his life. Jesus, of course, is our supreme example. And we see him as the prophet speaking to the Pharisees and and speaking about religion against relationship, calling them whitewashed tombs. We see him, the teacher, gathering them on the Sermon Sermon of the Mount, on that beautiful hill. And as he began to talk, wouldn't you love to have been there? Listening to the great teacher, bringing scripture alive, talking about planks, talking about sawdust, talking about prayer, bringing it alive. You get the heart of what a true teacher is all about. You see Jesus as the encourager when there's a woman lying on the floor and completely condemned to be stoned because of adultery. He gets alongside a woman who is there, who is struggling by a well, has Five husbands and the man she's with is not a husband and he speaks life and encouragement to her. That's the true heart of the encourager. One that comes to the woman at the well and makes a difference. And so powerfully, you have Jesus orchestrating and managing his 12 on the great mission of God, their roots, where they should go, what should happen. You see that immenseness of Jesus flowing through as he trains the 12 and administers in that gift of administration and leadership. You see Jesus in his generosity. People are hungry. There's 5,000 that need feeding. He takes what he has, multiplies a miracle. He feeds the 5,000. Oh, I just want to bless people, generous. I want to feed people. I want to take the resources I have of heaven and I want to give them to the hungry and the needy and those that need hope out of my generosity. You see Jesus serving, don't you? You see him acting the role of the waiter getting up at the table, taking the towel and turning it, getting down and shocking his disciples by washing the disciples' feet. You see the server, the doer, the one that honours and serves. And you see the one of mercy and compassion. Get rid of the children. We don't want the children around. Jesus says, no, come to me. 
you little children. Suffer the little children to come unto me. I have compassion and mercy. You've got leprosy. Nobody wants to touch you. I will embrace you and heal you and give your life back. You're struggling with that problem. I'm going to pick you up. Wipe your tears. A woman caught in adultery probably works better here. And I'm going to send you on a new life. Isn't Jesus amazing? In all those areas, Jesus is at work. And when I look at the gifts of Romans 12, I want to minister to them and use them like Jesus. I don't want extremes. I don't want ego. We want sober, humble judgment. But I want God to release the gifts that you have in your life in every area that God will use you. But it's the Jesus factor that makes all of the difference. Where would we be without a Billy Graham with the gift of prophecy, black and white about the gospel, preached to more people than lived at the time of the Apostle Paul? Where would we be without a Ravi Zacharias who teaches us truth about the apologetics of the faith, the gift of the teacher? Where would we be without the encourager that comes alongside and encourage people to keep going? Where would we be without those that are willing to organise and orchestrate and make a difference? Without the servers, without the Florence Nightingales, with their calling of God to love people and show love, without the Wilberforces who had the, the prophetic Heinz's vision to be able to battle against slavery for a whole life. Where would we be without these gifts? And on a micro level at Willow Park Church, where would we be if you used the gift of God that God placed in your life? C.S. Lewis became a Christian at 32. Before that, he was a distinguished writer, academic, and was you know, renowned. He was a brilliant genius. In fact, he could walk into his library and, and tell you all the contents of every book in his library. Such a brilliant mind. When he became 32, he'd always mused, he wrote, about, about writing children's stories. And all he had in a children's story was a picture of a fawn carrying an umbrella in a snowy land. And he played with this for years. You know, the picture of the umbrella. And that's all he had. But he said when he became a Christian, suddenly something changed in his whole life. And Aslan came bounding into his world and changed all of it. And I want to tell you, he was a great writer before, but he became incredible when he realized that Aslan, the Christ figure, had bounded into his life. Your gifts are God-given. When you were knitted together in your mother's womb, he was there. 
And when we experience those gifts that we naturally have that we can use for good or bad, but when Aslan bounds into your life and is the central figure, the Lord Jesus, your gifts can truly be used powerfully for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's never too late. It's never too late to go on the journey to think these things through. Let's pray together. Search your heart for a moment and ask the Lord, where are you at in your journey with the gift that God has placed in your life? Have you found yourself responding out of fear, not out of freedom, out of anger, disappointment? What gives you the greatest life? And have you neglected the gift of God that is placed in your life? Lord, I pray for each one of us that as we are faced with the joy of examining Romans 12, may we have a renewed mind. May we think as you think. May we see our gifts and be willing to apply them. Holy Spirit, come and stir our waters that we may live them out as Jesus would have lived them out. And may they always be bathed in such love in our lives, Lord, I pray. Whisper to us our God-given assignments. We ask this through and in the Lord Jesus Christ's name. Amen.